Hey, hey, hey. Greetings from upstate New York. Thank you for joining the Pastor Duke podcast. You mean the world to me. I live to preach the gospel to you. Trust today's message will be a blessing. We're continuing our series on David in his own words. Today we call the text the covenant, the Davidic covenant. So you can all see this sweet shepherd boy who slew the giant Goliath was an imperfect man, yet God's grace overshadowed it all. I think it most important that with all my ups and downs, yea, even with my sin, which God could see coming even before he called me. This is so mind-boggling to me. He still called me. He still chose me, and he still blessed me exceedingly. I need to write a song someday and call it Amazing Grace. When I'm long dead, people may hate me for Uriah, rightfully so. They may love me for Goliath. They may love my Psalms and be embarrassed by my Bathsheba story. Be all of that as it may, the biggest carry away from my life is the covenant. The word covenant means promise. All the rest of my life were just a inspirational story here or sometimes a sad story there that hopefully many will learn from my mistakes or find inspiration from my victories. But the covenant God made with me is the absolute pinnacle of my life. The covenant would affect the world to come. I never dreamed of anything like this. The covenant God had made with Abraham was only the first half of God's redemptive plan. God was about to make the second covenant, not just to me or to my Jewish nation, but to the world. This is my favorite part of the story. In the moment, I could not fully comprehend the magnitude of what God was choosing to let me be a part of. Looking back now, I see so much more than I did in that fateful moment. A big event happened after the kingdom was united and most of the enemies had been defeated or retreated. I had this burning, crazy dream in my heart that never went away. It was always there. All the nations of the world had their magnificent temples for the glory of their false gods. And here we are in Israel who know and are blessed by the real God, the eternal, immortal, immutable, omniscient, omnipotent God of heaven, creator of heavens and the earth. And our worship center is like a portable tent built by Moses in the wilderness during the Exodus. Yet God never said a word about any upgrades. He provides all of our needs, protects us, delivers us. Should we not build for him a temple where we can give him the praise, the honor, the glory, do his name, that we could show off to the nations how great and magnificent a temple we have built for our God who is worthy? I prayed about that a lot, but my prayer didn't seem to be enough. I felt compelled to take action. So I sought Nathan the prophet and asked him to ask God for me. Would he grant me divine permission to build the temple? Well, in the moment, Nathan said, yeah, go for it. Sounds good to me. But that night, the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, 
with plans way bigger, way better than I had ever guessed. In a way, God was telling me uh, no on the temple project, sort of in the immediate, no for now, but that my son would build the temple. It would be my honor to amass the supplies and prepare for the project that my son Solomon would actually do the building. When Nathan expounded the message direct from the Lord, it was so amazing. God said, I never asked for a temple. I was good with just a tabernacle. It was almost as though God was embarrassed by my proposition. Oh, what a humble God. It, it, just, it was like he was embarrassed. This is beyond my comprehension. He never asked for a temple, but he sure did step up and let the supply line flourish. So as awesome as the temple approval event was for me, that was minor compared to what God had up his sleeve for me, for my family, for our nation, and even for the world. When I thought Nathan was done and would leave, he didn't. He, he didn't leave. He smiled and said, uh, I'm not done yet. God also told me to tell you, David, whereas you wanted to build a house for me, and I'll see that gets done through your son, but I'm going to build a house for you. And God was not talking about a physical house, which I already had, but a spiritual house, a promise from God to me that one from my lineage would sit on the throne of Israel forever. That's what every king would dream about. And so far in the history of the world, it has never happened. But this was a promise from God to me, are you kidding me? It would soon be called by our nation and confirmed by all the prophets, the Davidic covenant. My seed would be royal seed. One from my loins would be king in Israel forever. Forever is like a long time. The same God that told this shepherd boy that I would be king of Israel is now upping the promise to a forever promise. He kept his first promise against all odds, and I became king, and I knew in my heart he would keep this promise as well. But in the moment, the magnitude and implications of this covenant God was making with me it would take a while for that all to sink in. I know this was big, but it was even bigger than I could understand. Our very nation began with God making a covenant with our patriarch Abraham. It was fivefold. Number one, I will make of you a great and mighty nation. Now, mind you, Abraham was 75 years old, his wife 65. They were barren, and they were well past the years of childbearing. It seems God always likes to work against the odds. It seems like God has a definite flair for the dramatic. And from that promise, a parade of miracles began to unfold upon Abraham and his descendants. Most of you know the story. Abraham miraculously bears Isaac and along the way. Major mistake with uh, Hagar and the child out of wedlock, father of the Islamic people, the Arab people groups of the world. 
uh, forever a thorn in our side. But even though our guys were messing up, God was still keeping his promise. Abraham begets Isaac. Isaac begets Jacob, who birthed the 12 tribes of Israel. And what is so mind-boggling, all of our patriots were mortal men, just like you and I, who made serious mistakes, and yet God's part of the deal was always kept. A perfect God carrying out his eternal program of redemption using imperfect people. Man, that gives me a lot of hope. Second, God said he would give us our own land. You pretty much know that part of the, of the parade of miracles as well. We have the Joseph story, the Egyptian slavery, where even under slave conditions, our nation grew to over 2 million strong under Egyptian slavery. Then we have the Moses story, the burning bush, the 10 plagues, the Exodus parted waters, Mount Sinai, the law, the wilderness experience, and then Joshua and the conquest of the land. God keeps his promises to the letter in his perfect timing. What was all becoming a reality to me is there's a, a hundred men, a thousand stories, but in reality, it's one God with one story weaving it together perfectly, and he uses the likes of me, and he's willing to use the likes of you. Well, the third and fourth part of the Abrahamic covenant were not just events in time, but they became laws that govern the universe. God said, I will bless those who bless the Jew. I will curse those who curse the Jews. That sure makes me happy to be a Jew and having a God who will protect us. Oh, for sure. He will discipline his children for our stupidity. We will reap what we sow, but he will protect us from our enemies. And the most important, the last part of the Abrahamic covenant, which directly is going to connect with my covenant, he said to Abraham, from your seed, all of the nations of the earth would be blessed. It wasn't just the Jews that were getting all the love from God. God loved the whole world. God's love was flowing to the world through the Jewish people, not just for the Jewish people. And that was a tough pill for our people to swallow. We like to take those promises and make them our own. And uh, we didn't do such a great job sharing the love of God with the rest of the world. But God knew what he was doing. It took our nation a long time to figure that part out. But through the years and the voice of the prophets uh, along the way, it became clear, we knew all the way back from Adam, that our Redeemer, our Messiah, our Savior, would come through the seed of a woman to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy the evil one. We were able in time to connect the dots and know this Redeemer would come through Abraham's seed, and our nation waited or more insight from God as to who the Redeemer would be, where he would come from, and when the Messiah, the Redeemer, would come. And so it's game on. It's a mystery being unfolded, and I got to be part of it. It wasn't until Jacob is dying in Egypt, surrounded by his sons, he prophesied specifically of the future for each of the 12 tribes, 
And he came back to the topic of the Redeemer, the Messiah, called him here the lawgiver. The government would be upon his shoulder. Our Redeemer would come through the tribe of Judah. That's my tribe. And we always kind of had that in the back of our mind. The Redeemer will come through Judah. And there it sat for another 500 years till another word from God would make it even more clear. You know, there are thousands of families in the tribe of Judah. We were by far the largest tribe. Another interesting thing is uh, our first king came from Benjamin, the smallest of the tribes. After they had sinned so grievously and were nearly taken out, the tribe was just down to uh, a few thousand people, and yet out of Benjamin came our first King Saul, who uh, put me through the ringer. But God continues to unfold his eternal plan of redemption. Something more was happening than just a shepherd kid and just my ups and downs. Maybe you're already connecting the dots here. All those centuries pass from Jacob, God still moving always, keeping his covenant with us, quietly moving in the shadows. We have Moses, the tabernacle, the law, the conquest, the 400 years during the time of the 12 judges. No word further of Messiah. We waited. We had King Saul, his ups, his down, his decline, his death. Then comes me, the shepherd kid, the songwriter, the musician, and yikes, a giant goes down. All of my dramas my dream to build a temple, and now comes another covenant from God to me, but way more than just to me, to our nation and for our world. Of all the tribes of Israel, God chose mine, Judah, for Messiah to come. Of all the families in Judah, God chose me for the messianic seed to come through. The one who is to be the lawgiver, Emmanuel, God with us. Another prophet would say, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. He will sit upon the throne of David forever, and not only ruling Israel, but will rule the world. God's plan to redeem man was now a giant step forward. And all these amazing events God chooses for me to be a part of, he knows all the while. He knows all the while the seeds of destruction still laying within me. He could see the whole Bathsheba and Uriah debacle even before it happened. Yet his grace still allowed for me to be part of history's greatest events. The lion, the bear, the giant, all those events, one and done. The military victories, one and done. But the Davidic covenant he was making with me was one and never done. The Psalms he would inspire me to write were one and never done. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me looking back in awe of the covenant that
the temple plans. This would not be the focus for the rest of my life. My mind was set. My affections were now focused on preparing for a project that I would not get to actually see. I wouldn't get to build the temple. One of my sons, Solomon, would be God's servant to make that part of the promise come to life. But in the meantime, I'm focused on the supply chain, doing the trade deals necessary to get the stone, to get the timber, the gold, the silver, the brass, and all the labor force in place. You see, God works mightily in such different ways, providentially having the king of Tyre ready to make a wonderful deal with us concerning the timber. You could just see his hand moving, whether it's a on the battlefield or providing the brass necessary to build the artifacts for the temple. Oh, his hand continued to move, even though my life was imperfect. The time would come when the project will be ready to roll. And I did everything in my power to see that the supplies were amassed. God answers our prayers sometimes now, sometimes it's a wait. And sometimes it's a no, but I've learned that when God says no, that is just as wonderful as when he says yes. His plans for me far exceeded my wildest expectations. And all through this covenant ordeal, it all came, think about this, it all came in one day, in one message from one prophet. Oh, what a difference one day can make in your life. What a difference one day can make in the history of the world. God was moving backstage. I couldn't see it. He was moving the hearts and lives of little people who seek him in a big way. I never dreamed of what he had up his sleeve for me, and you can never dream what he has up his sleeve for you. We'll continue my story next time. Thank you, folks, for tuning in. The life of David so enthralls me in his own words. I hope it makes the text come alive to you, makes the word of God come alive to you. A lot of applications in the world we're living in. I promise you, we might not like what we see happening on the outside, but God's got this. No matter who is our president, Jesus is still our king. He sits on the throne. He rules among men. He holds in his hand the heart of kings. He does what he does as he said he will do. He does it in perfect timing, and he loves you, and he loves me. He's got it. We're on the winning team. Hey, thanks for joining me again today. Uh, please share these things. Uh, upload them, download them, uh, use them uh, to get the word of God out to people. Hey, thanks for tuning me in. Love you. See you next time. Bye-bye.